part of the Dallas East Campus Ministry. And I'm super grateful for the opportunity just to, to speak today. I'm not the only one. Theo is preaching the word at 12 p.m. He's going to do an awesome job. Uh, but it's been a great service so far. But I hope you guys are still awake. Are you guys still awake? Because we're going to dive deep into the word this morning. We're, we're going to read a lot. But guys, it is really going to show us how we can go from being restless to fulfilled. And I hope our hearts are pierced and convicted by what we read together. So we are continuing the Simplify series on, on how uh, to unclutter our soul. And today's title is From Restless to Fulfilled. And I do want to just start off by saying, guys, I am so glad you are here. Because all of us have come from very different weeks. I mean, some of us in this room may have had the most encouraging week of our life. Amen. But I know some of us in this room are feeling restless. Some of us in this room may have been having thoughts about quitting, walking away from God, thinking, man, can I do this disciple thing anymore? Maybe some of us have been feeling restless because of trials, storms, temptations that have hit this week, and you just feel like you're being bombarded and you don't know how much more you can take. Maybe you're feeling restless because someone said something to you this week. And you're just overthinking it. And, oh, what does that mean? What, did I say something wrong? What, why are they feeling that way? And Satan can really just work through that. Maybe you're feeling restless like that. Maybe someone says something this morning. Maybe some of us feel like we're not doing enough to serve God. Maybe some of us feel like we're doing too much to serve God. Maybe you're feeling restless because of sin you were involved with this week. And you haven't been open about it. So that's why I'm saying I'm glad you guys are here, okay? Because we're going to talk about how we can go from being restless to fulfilled and how restlessness is actually a part of God's plan to lead to fulfillment. And the thing about being restless is if you're not feeling restless now, you're going <laughs> to. It's just a part of life, right? So if we can't figure out how to prevent restlessness, we need to figure out how to deal with it, how to be content with it, and how to seek fulfillment the right way. And so, guys, I, I want to talk today about one of my favorite guys in the Bible, besides Jesus, and that is Joseph in the Old Testament. Because Joseph was put through so many situations that would make anyone restless. And through his story, we learned that no matter how unfair our suffering or our restlessness is, it will develop character, wisdom, and lead us to being fulfilled. Amen? So you guys ready to jump in? Okay, amen. So who was Joseph? Joseph was one of 12 sons that Jacob had had. And of those 12 sons, he was the favorite. Joseph was the favorite of, of, of Jacob. Was that right? Not necessarily, because that just put a big bullseye on the back of Joseph's head, because his brothers hated him, because his father loved him more, more than them. And uh, Joseph had dreams. He had visions from God about being placed in leadership. He had dreams of his brothers bowing down to him. They didn't appreciate that too much either. But Joseph, in the end of his life, became second in command of all of Egypt. So undoubtedly, he was fulfilled physically in the end, but instead of just focusing on the end, we got to focus on the restlessness that was his entire life leading to that. So let's look at his story, okay? So in Genesis 37, verse 5, we'll just do snippets here because we're going to cover a lot. But Joseph had a dream. And when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said to them, hey, guys, guys, listen to this dream I had. Okay, so we were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. Mm. His brother said to him, do you intend to reign over us? <laughs> Will you actually like rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he said. And his brothers already hated him because Jacob favored him. So sharing this dream of, hey guys, I had a dream that you're all going to bow down to me, didn't necessarily help uh, their feelings because it escalates pretty quickly because only a few verses down, Joseph went after his brothers and found them near Dothan. But they saw him in the distance. And before he reached them, 
They plotted to kill him. That's encouraging. Here comes that dreamer, they said. Come now, let's, let's kill him. Let's throw him into one of these cisterns and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. Then we'll see what comes of his dreams. When Reuben heard this, he tried to rescue him from their hands. Let's not take his life, he said. Down in verse 23. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the ornate robe he was wearing. They took him and threw him into the cistern. The cistern was empty. There was no water in it. Verse 26, Judah said to his brothers, guys, wait, what will we gain if we kill our brother and cover up his blood? Come, let's sell him. Let's sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay our hands on him. After all, he is our brother, our own flesh and blood. His brothers agreed. So when the Midianite merchants came by, his brothers pulled Joseph up out of the cistern and sold him for 20 shekels of silver to the Ishmaelites who took him to Egypt. What just happened? That was so fast. Joseph woke up that morning as a loved, favored son. He, he was probably spoiled. He had amazing robes from his father. He was loved. He was just walking up to his brothers. It says he was walking up. And as he was walking up to them, they were plotting to kill him. He had no idea. He was not expecting this from family, from brothers. And in an instant, things were stripped from him, and he was thrown into slavery. You wouldn't be expecting that from family. And Joseph was 17 years old. He was a dreamer. He was the favorite son. He was given so many blessings, and now he's chained. And if you do the research on how long it would take to get to Egypt, it would be 30 days on foot. Just imagine Joseph being stripped and chained by the hand or feet and just following this cart for 30 days through the desert. That was so fast. Now he had to face that 30-day journey, and he would be treated like absolute baggage. And once in Egypt, he'd be sold as a slave, a piece of merchandise. And his brothers, they thought that they would never see him again. I mean, they lied to their father and said that an animal devoured him. But even in this craziness, God was in control of Joseph's life. And this was part of the plan, whether he knew that or not. So what's Joseph going to do? Because church, this is a pretty restless situation, right? Have any of us been betrayed by our family and thrown into slavery? This is pretty restless. But it's crazy that the Bible doesn't record anything negative from Joseph. No screaming, no blaming. Why would you do this to me? It doesn't record anything he says at all. So we don't see his heart, but we do see his actions. Because let's see what happens as soon as he gets to Egypt in verse 2 of chapter 39. As soon as he gets to Egypt, he, he was assigned to a master, Potiphar. And in verse 2 it says, The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered. And he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. So Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care. With Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except the food that he ate. Joseph immediately showed up to Egypt and found favor in Potiphar's eyes. I mean, he must have been working so hard and diligently and joyfully that his master noticed and was like, oh, I'm going to put that guy in charge. Whoa. He worked so hard. I mean, I would be crying in this situation. I, I would be totally crying, just sitting there going, oh my gosh, there's no escape from this. I'm a slave now. I was with my family like 30 days ago, and now I'm a slave. There's no escape from this. I'd be freaking out. I mean, it's like, uh, it's like when you do something you want to do, you put your heart into it because you like doing it. When you're forced to do something, uh, it's kind of hard to put your heart into it, right? Like when your mom, when you're a kid, tells you to do the dishes. Uh, yeah, okay. Like you're not completely giving, but Joseph clearly had a giving and humble heart because it impressed his master Potiphar right away. And so one thing we can learn from this in our lives is if you're feeling restless because you feel like you're forced into a situation, be like Joseph by keeping your feet grounded and going, you know what? Okay, there is no escape from this, but man, am I going to do my best for God? And he served as if he was serving God. 
And amazing things will happen if you do that. So Satan couldn't win in this type of restlessness. So he tries to attack him with other temptation. A few verses down, we see, I'll summarize this, but it says that now Joseph was well-built and handsome. And after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, come to bed with me. And so literally, you can just imagine Joseph trying to serve and serve as if he's serving God. And now he's got another problem. His master's wife is trying to get him to commit adultery with her. And, and you can just imagine she is the master's wife. So technically, he should obey her orders because she's his master's wife. And, but I love that Joseph says in verse 9, how could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? Because in Joseph's mind, God's rules and laws were way more important than obeying this master or our boss. So if, if it, what we can learn from this is if anyone ever asks you to do something who's in authority and it does not line up with what God would want us to do, follow God. And so Joseph refused to go to bed with her or even be with her. But unfortunately, this kept going because in the next few verses here, one day he went into the house to attend his duties and none of the household servants were, in, were inside. She caught him by his cloak and said, come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. I mean, you've got to love Joseph. He, he, he was like, no, I'm, not, I'm so done with this. And he ran. But unfortunately, his cloak was kind of ripped off and left in her hand. And in verse 14, she called her household servants and said, look, she said to them, this Hebrew has been brought to make sport of us. He came in here to sleep with me, but I screamed. And when he heard me scream for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. And down in verse 20, Joseph's master took him and put him in prison the place where the king's prisoners were confined. What? <laughs> again, everything is stripped from Joseph again. He, was all, he already had it bad enough, right? How can it get any worse than being a slave? Oh, now you're accused of rape and you're thrown in prison. Surely Satan had won now. Surely this broke him. Nope. <laughs> Joseph still would not curse God. Joseph still hasn't said anything negative at all. He put his, his feet in the, in the ground where he was and continued to love God. And we know this because going on to verse 22, immediately as he's put in the prison, the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in prison. He was made responsible for all that was done there. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. So he immediately showed up to prison and the prison warden was like, oh, wow, this guy. Well, I'm, okay, I'll put him in charge. That's just how serving and giving and humble Joseph was, no matter what circumstance he was in. So my question is, how does a guy like this not fall away? What is the secret? How does he stay standing for God when things are constantly stripped from him? Because, guys, people fall away for much, much less. I mean, I know people that will throw away their salvation and their love for God because of a boy or girl at school or a boy or girl at work. So how does Joseph, after being torn from his family, thrown into slavery, thrown into prison for something he didn't do, being punished for the, doing the right thing, how does he still stay faithful to God? What is the secret? Let's continue to read and find out, all right? You still with me, church? Okay, so continuing the story, in prison with Joseph, it's two men. Uh, one was a baker and one was a cupbearer of the Pharaoh. And uh, just to summarize, these two guys had dreams, and Joseph was in there, and Joseph was there willing to interpret these dreams for them. So uh, in Genesis, Genesis 40, verse 12, um, he pretty much, Joseph describes these dreams to him, and he realizes, oh, God is giving him a vision that he's going to be released in three days. So in verse 14, he tells him this. He's, he tells him, hey, you're going to be restored to your old job. You're going to be released from prison. And in verse 14, he says, but please, when all goes well with you, remember me. Show me kindness. 
mention me to the Pharaoh, get me out of this prison, because I was forcibly carried off from the land of the Hebrews, and even here I have done nothing to deserve being put in the dungeon. So you can imagine, this was it. Joseph was probably like, wait a second, this could be my chance to get out. God, thank you. Like, he's working through this cupbearer to get me out of prison. But down in verse 23, the chief cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. He forgot him? How restless would you guys feel if you were Joseph? Just sitting there waiting, hoping, okay, he got released. I should be, I should be out of here any day now. A few days go by. Weeks go by. Months go by. Did he forget me? God? Yet he never asked, God, did you forget me? He never asked those things, even though he was left to rot in prison. Because, guys, he stayed there for two years after this had happened. Surely Satan had won now. Nope. Joseph still served and loved God, and he did not curse him. He did not react rashly at all. He did not even blame the cupbearer. The Bible didn't record him saying anything at all. He patiently waited for the next opportunity. And two years later, the Pharaoh himself has a dream. And the cupbearer then remembers, oh, actually, there's a, oh, I remember. There's a guy in prison that actually helped me uh, interpret my dream. We can get him to interpret your dream. So eventually he remembers him, just two years later. But uh, this is the response, because Joseph pretty much comes and shares what his dream means and, and says there's a famine coming and, and warns him of all these things coming. And in the first you know, conversation Joseph has with Pharaoh, this is what the Pharaoh says about Joseph in uh, four, chapter 41, verse 37. It says, the plan seemed so good to Pharaoh and all his officials. So Pharaoh asked them, can we find anyone like this man, one in whom the, is the spirit of God? That was the first impression he had when he talked to Joseph. Do we have that impression on people as disciples? When we're at work, when we're at school, when we're in our home, do people look at us and go, man, something's different about him or her. Man, I see God in them. That's the impression we need to be leaving. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has made all this known to you, there is no one so discerning and wise as you. You know what? You shall be in charge of my palace, and all my people will submit to your orders. Only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. Boom, like that. He rises quickly to the top from prison cells to the Pharaoh's palace. Joseph became second in command of all of Egypt. And you know, I love it because God's timing and plan was perfect. Because God took Joseph through intense training for this leadership position such as this. Because I was thinking, what if God brought Joseph to Egypt and immediately put him into second in command? Maybe Joseph would have misused the power. Maybe he would have been bitter at his brothers and used that power to get payback. But God put him through slavery, put him through prison, and he became second in command at 30 years old, and that means he spent 13 years of his life as a slave. And it just showed Joseph the importance of serving God and loving others and serving others. So talk about being restless, guys. Would anyone want to trade with Joseph? Whatever situation you're going through right now, would you want to spend 13 years as a slave and prisoner? I wouldn't, but Joseph is still faithful, so why are we struggling with our faith? Because, guys, whatever you're going through, I think what we can learn from this is whatever you're going through right now, whatever you feel restless about right now, oh, my gosh, there's no escape from this. Imagine, what if God is preparing you for something? What if he's taking you through intense training just as he took Joseph through? Because what if he's preparing you for something amazing? Because in the end of Joseph's life, he was fulfilled physically. He was the second in command. But look at his life, guys. Joseph was betrayed by his family. He was exposed to sexual temptation. 
He was punished for doing the right thing. He was imprisoned for a long time. Joseph was forgotten by those that he helped. Moving on with the story, his brothers eventually find out that Joseph is Pharaoh, and that proves to be a very unique family reunion because uh, they realize, oh, snap. Hey, guys, you remember that brother we had that we totally just threw into prison and, or threw into slavery? Yeah, he's, uh, he's in command now, so he can have us killed at any moment. So they're scared. I mean, I, I, can't, I can't understand how they would be feeling because 13 years of thinking your brother's dead, and oh, my gosh, he's in command now. So Genesis 50, verse 15. Guys, this is the, power, the most powerful part of the story. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, uh, what if Joseph holds a grudge against us, pays us back for all the wrongs we did to him? And in verse 18, his brothers then came and threw themselves down before him. We are your slaves, they said. But look at Joseph's response. Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. He reassured them and spoke kindly to them. What? <laughs> Joseph just blows me away every time you go into the next chapter. Because wouldn't you guys just be a little bitter after 13 years? 13 years, you're like, oh, snap, my brothers are here. Guys, look who's in charge. Like, Joseph had every right to go, I told you so. Like, remember when I had that dream I told you guys about? And I was going to be here, and you're going to be bound down. Look what's happening. I told you so. Like, he could have done that. He could have misused his power or gotten payback or revenge. You know, it's like the movies, the, the, uh, the action films of, of, our, of our lifetime. It's all about, man, if you can kill him and get your revenge, you will be fulfilled. And that's how, that's how you'll be, you know, fulfilled in life is getting your revenge. But Joseph realized that's not the fulfillment that's really going to fulfill me. Forgiveness is what's going to fulfill me. I think about famous people. You know, luckily there are some humble, famous, successful people, but a lot of famous people or people who are rich or talented, when they get to the top, they use that position to mock the people that didn't believe them. Oh, yeah, you guys who didn't believe in me, look where I am now. I made it. You're down there. Like, ah. And they use that and flaunt that. Joseph didn't do that because Joseph knew, guys, God's plan was better. You intended to harm me, but God intended it to do good. And that attitude transformed his life. It transformed restlessness into being fulfilled mentally with God. Because it's crazy that Joseph doesn't spend any time asking, why, God? Why are you putting me through this? Why am I restless? What we see through his actions is more of a mindset of, okay, what do I do now? How do I please God now? And that can transform setbacks into steps forward. So guys, what kept Joseph faithful through, through all this? What kept him faithful? Because when you take a step back and you look at this whole situation, Joseph was alone. He did not have a family of believers. He did not have a church, something we can take for granted so easily. He did not have brothers and sisters. And you can just imagine him being chained up, walking for 30 days to the desert, not knowing the language. He's entering a brand new culture, a, a huge civilization, Egypt, where no one praises God, and he's alone. And you can just imagine him, what is he thinking for 30 days in the desert? Oh my gosh, everything was taken from me. God, you're all I have. God, you are all I have. And you just imagine him thinking that. Because <sighs> everything was stripped from him. Again and again and again. From son to slave, from slave to prisoner. Things were stripped from him. How did he stay faithful? It's because no matter how many times everything was stripped from him, he made sure God was never stripped from him. He made sure, even when he was on his own, man, God is right here with me. 
I'm more, I'm more focused on pleasing God because he is here with me. And that is something that we can always be fulfilled in is, man, this is tough. Man, this is restless. But God is right here. I can be fulfilled in that. You know, it's crazy. I believe Joseph could have died rotting in that cell, and he still would have been faithful to the very end. I don't think he needed to be fulfilled physically. God blessed him with that position because that was the plan the whole time. But I think he was fulfilled in that prison cell going, God is right here with me. God's in control. How can I please God? You know, it's more, it's more than how can we be fulfilled. It's how can we fulfill God's purpose? How can we fulfill his plan? And that's something we can always be fulfilled in. And God is something that can never be stripped from us, guys, unless you let it, unless you let it be stripped from you. So the lesson of Joseph's story is that circumstance doesn't matter. The response matters. The response is what can transform restlessness into fulfillment. And for us, there's now a better mediator between us and God, Jesus Christ. And in Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, he even says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. So how can we go from restless to fulfilled? I wish there was a three steps to success, easy, tangible. This is the, this is the solution every time. But really, every situation is so unique, guys, because Satan is going to be attacking you in so many ways that you're not even expecting. But we can be like Joseph and trust. We can be like Jesus and trust, because, guys, Jesus was restless in the garden. He was shedding you know, tears of blood. He, he, was, he was really stressing out, but he was fulfilled in God's purpose. This is what God wants me to do. I want to close out with Isaiah 30, 15. I love this, this last part here. It says, in quietness and trust is your strength. And I believe that is what Joseph lived out right there. That no matter what happened, he didn't react rashly. He didn't react with anger. He didn't freak out and blame people. He was quiet and he trusted. And so was Jesus. And so guys, I think we can really follow that when things are so crazy, when things, we feel like there's no solution, be quiet and trust. And that's hard. That's not something I want to hear, you know, like, oh God, please just get me out of this situation. And sometimes we can pray so hard for God to just pull us out of a situation. God, just end this, this, this situation. But really, we should be praying, hey God, help me persevere through this. Because clearly, I'm going through this for a reason. Clearly, you're grinding at me and grinding my heart, preparing me for something better. So instead of just praying, God, take me out of this situation, pray, help me learn from this. Let me grow from this. And that's what Joseph did. And guys, one day when we all die as faithful disciples, prayerfully, we will be fulfilled eternally. Because we are constantly going to face restless trials throughout this lifetime. But guys, in eternity with our Father, with our Creator, with each other, we will eternally be be fulfilled. And we will never know what restlessness is again. I can't wait to be there with you guys. I love you. Thank you.